seated. So have you seen God lately? You know, I uh, came in and, and uh, we've been praying and uh, we did the 24 hours of prayer and coming in here and coming to this old-fashioned altar and uh, saw cards from people, needs uh, needing to be met, uh, praying over our missionaries, praying for uh, revival to come. I was sleeping the other night and, and uh, woke up very early in the morning and God just placed it upon my heart to get up and I opened the scriptures and the scripture that I turned to is watch and pray in Matthew. And I thought, okay, Lord, so what are we doing tonight? And uh, I began to pray and, and uh, I posted some things on Facebook just to encourage us and uh, have us focused upon this upcoming revival. I've been working on this message for a while now and God just opened the door for me to be able to share this with you. And I, I'm looking at this and I see here that no man has seen God at any time. And so it just dawned on me, have you seen God lately? And uh, I'm asking Calvary Chapel, it's a membership, have you seen God lately? And what it is, is that this is about preparation of heart this morning. This is about God preparing us for what he's about to do. And I believe God wants to manifest himself and glorify himself through Calvary Chapel. I believe he wants us to reach the lost in this community with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> I believe God wants to show himself and demonstrate himself and his power. I think he started last Sunday by what he did uh, in some folks' heart to give toward what Brother Knickerbocker had a need of. I believe that's the beginning of things. And as I began to pray and hear and come in and look at these cards and look at our missionaries, and God began to soften my heart and uh, really began to demonstrate to me that he wants to show himself here at Calvary. And uh, he wants to show himself to you folks. And uh, he wants to see souls saved and he wants people to be baptized and he wants to grow the ministry and he wants to do these things, but we have to give him the glory for it. We've got to make sure it's not about some individual or some man or some group of people inside the church, but it's about the God that we serve who's going to work through the people of this church to accomplish his goals for his glory. And I, I began to really think about God's not visible to the eye, but have you seen God working in your life? Have you seen God working in your life? You know, I, I shared with the Sunday school class, I'm, I'm a human being just like you are, and uh, as we uh, approached this time of Anita and I went out and, and we put an offer on a house, and uh, we went out and, and did a house inspection on Saturday, and as I was uh, approaching this time, I really believe with all of my heart, God did something in my heart in January. Um, just for you folks to be aware of, I, I got to the place where it had become so overwhelming to pay my mortgage and to pay rent and to pay for all of those things and knew that I had a time coming <laughs> where we were going to have to start sending $300 a month down there just to get the lawn mowed. And I knew things were about to collapse financially for my household. And I knew there was nothing we could do about it. And in January, the church voted to help the pastor. Now, not just me, but the office of the pastor you folks voted to help with a health savings account and help uh, with the uh, health insurance in the church uh, for me and my family. And as you did those things, God finally said, I'm going to go ahead and sell your house now. And I believe God did that because God moved upon your hearts to do something for the office of the pastor. <laughs> and I, I believe with all of my heart, I was starting to lose sight of God. And I began to think to myself, have I seen God lately? And God did some things here at Calvary. And he did some things in my heart. And I began to see God again, as I've not seen him in a long time. And as I went into this message, I knew there was something very special about it for me personally. 
but I want you to kind of get a hold of this. When I think about my Lord Jesus, how God brought him down in the flesh, and in this old King James Bible that I have here, God reveals himself, amen? It's in the Word of God that he does it, and it's by his power that he accomplishes it. As Christians, you know, we don't visibly see God, but we do see the effects of God, do we not? We see him all around us all the time. How we fail to give him glory for the things that we see. <laughs> How we fail to, to not really give him the glory that he deserves and the confidence that we ought to have in him. I began to look at 1 John 1, 1 and 5, 7. He said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For there are three that bear with, uh, record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. You say, well, it doesn't say Jesus, but I tell you here in 1 John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that light is Jesus Christ, amen? And he is the Word. When you pick this up, this book is not dead, it's alive. It's not any book that you just go buy in a bookstore. It's alive, it's real. And this impacts lives. It changes thinking. It moves upon hearts. When you read it, it does something to you. It begins to affect you. Some men choose not to read it, and even some Christians choose not to read it because it's convicting. It tells us who we really are and what we need to be. It tells us changes that we need to make sometimes. It tells us about what we are and, and what God is and, and who God is and, and what he's done for us and how he's removed a nature from us if we'll trust him as our our Savior, and, and God is just an amazing God, and he says, here, I'm going to give you my word. <laughs> and he gave us his love letter, did he not? And he put it in our hands. This book, the Bible, is the word of God. It is Jesus Christ. Therefore, we've received the declaration of God through Jesus Christ, the word of God. John 5, 39 through 40, he said, Search the scriptures for them that you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I want to tell you this revival is just about that. This upcoming revival is about eternal life. There are lives and souls that are hanging in the balance, and some of those lives are your family. Some of those lives are your coworkers. Some of those lives are your neighbors or your friends. Some of those lives that are hanging in the balance are someone that you know not a lot about, but you meet with them every day or you see them every day and you have opportunity to share something that's life-giving, eternal life-giving. And you have a responsibility before God as a saved individual to testify of our Savior. Now, we think we know the scriptures, but I want you to know they testify of Jesus Christ. Amen. When you pick up this Bible, it is about him. This is a living word of God. That's why we call it that. It's alive. It's not something that's dead. And it moves upon men's hearts. And you say, I've read it. It's never done anything for me. I want to ask you this morning, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because the carnal mind cannot understand the things of God. But if you are saved, this does something to you. Amen? Amen. It is the word of God. And so as we looked at this this morning, have you seen God lately? And I believe the Lord revealed himself to all through his son, Jesus Christ, and to all believe uh, the word of God, Jesus Christ. The scriptures teach us who he is and what he's done for us. When I think about being saved, here's what it does for me. He said, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, 
whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. You say, Pastor, I can't memorize Scripture. I want you to know, neither can I, but the Holy Spirit can. Amen? And if I'm saved, I can begin to memorize Scripture because He will bring to my remembrance whatsoever He has said unto me. And what He has said unto me comes in this old King James Bible. (laughs) And the things that He said unto me, He brings them to my remembrance because of who He is. You see, if I'm saved, the Holy Spirit resides in me. Amen? And if the Holy Spirit resides in me, he's the comforter. He is the one that teaches me all things. So when I pick this book up, if this is Christ, if this is the Word of God, why would he not share that with me as a saved individual? You see, he enlightens us. He shows us. He demonstrates this to us. Christ revealed the Lord in three specific ways. One of the things that he says here, his fullness he revealed to us. And of his fullness have we all received. Of his fullness have we all received. Secondly, it teaches us this, that through Christ, grace and truth came. It came by Jesus Christ. It's not anything we fabricated. It's not anything we made up. It's what God did for us, and he brought forth grace and truth. And thirdly, this, it is Christ that makes him known, amen? And you can't know Christ unless you know him as your Savior, and you begin to know this book. That's how you begin to know him, And to know Christ, you must know his word. To know his word means that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. When when you have sin in your life, it brings conviction. By the way, that's God chastening you as a saved person, letting you know that you're one of his children. It wasn't my neighbors that spanked me when I did wrong. It was my dad that spanked me when I did wrong. Amen? And what it is, is when I do wrong and conviction comes upon me and the Lord chasing me, that let me know that I am a child of God. (laughs) Let's me know that I belong to him. And so he makes himself known through his word. When I think about his fullness, I want you to think about this. You know, I can scarcely grasp the fullness of his grace. I can't get a hold of it sometimes. I told you I was awakened the other night, and when I awoke, I began to really think about what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross at Calvary. And I began to think about his shed blood and the things that he did and the sin that he took out of my life. And now... He found me faithful to put me into the ministry and to serve him in a full capacity, and and I can't grasp it sometimes. I cannot grasp the fullness of him and what he's done for me personally, what he's done for my family. Not only did I get saved, my aunt and my uncle have gotten saved. My wife is saved. My children are saved. And, And I look around, my brother is saved. I have other family members that have come to Christ as a result. And what it is is that I cannot grasp the fullness of what God's capable of. I cannot wrap my arms around it. And I I began to kneel down and pray the other night. And I said, Lord, I I don't understand it. But I am so thankful that you gave it to me. I'm so glad I received this from you because by your power, by your grace, I have eternal life. And as I began to look through the Bible, I began to think about the kindness that God has shown to all mankind. You know, when you think about it, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law, is he not? And you think about the fact that we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. Amen? And, and you know, anybody that tells me that they're they're a practicing Jew, the first thing I want to know is where do you make your sacrifices? You see, because God taught us in the scriptures that there was a once-for-all sacrifice made. Amen? Amen? No longer is there a need for sacrifices anymore. He's already completed that for us. 
and the fullness of what we have received. It's hard to imagine, but we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. And any man, woman, or child that comes to God believing that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, he will be found of you. God is there, folks. Do you have a family member that you're brokenhearted over that maybe says that they're saved but live like a heathen? Do you have a family member that you've prayed for for years and you say, Pastor, I'm just, I'm just about ready to give up on them because I don't know. I don't see any fruit in their life. I don't see anything out of them. I want to challenge you this morning. The fullness of his grace can turn that life around. Amen? Amen. The fullness of his grace can turn that life around. He can do things that are unimaginable to us. With God, all things are possible. How many of you believe that this morning? And what I'm challenging you with is this, to look at the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. God piles grace upon grace to the Christian. And I began to think about that. How many of you have ever been to the ocean? Anybody in here ever been to the ocean? How many of you watch those waves come onto the shore? Do they ever stop or do they just keep coming? Right? And I began to think about the grace of God in a saved human being's life. (laughs) And how that grace is just like those waves coming up onto the shore. Amen? And they just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And you say, well, listen, what if I pass from this earth? Glory to God will be in heaven if you're saved. Amen? Amen. And the grace is eternal. (laughs) And it just keeps coming. And I began to think about this grace and the experience of the Christian life, how it's like the waves of the ocean to the shore. And the Lord our God is all around us. How many of you believe that tonight, this morning? He's all around us. I mean, you look around and you see the grace of God all around us. You know, uh, I I think about how I've been uh, lately complaining about the cold weather, but I'm sure a time's about to come where I'm going to start complaining about something else. You know what that is? It sure is hot out here. Amen? And as cold as it's been, he'll make it warm, won't he? <laughs> and, and you know, there's no reason to complain. It's just God providing, isn't he? Maybe somebody else has prayed for that cold and they wanted to hang out for a while. I know my, my, my son Michael does. He, he likes it because his asthma does a whole lot better in the winter than it does in the spring and the, and the summer. <laughs> and, and he enjoys the cold. He likes it because it helps him to breathe better. But do you know, whether it be cold or hot, raining or snowing, it's all provided by a great God. And that's the fullness of his grace, isn't it? How many uh, farmers are saying to themselves right now, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to start. <laughs> There's something they're going to want here in a little while. Guess what that is? They're going to want some rain, aren't they? And there might be a lot of farmers praying for some rain. You know, that's the grace of God. It's the grace of God bringing down to us what we do not deserve. He's going to provide, and he's going to do it in a way that only he could. The Lord God is all around us. His fullness is all around us. When you look, even in creation, we see it. If you were to turn to Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, the Bible says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I want you to know something. Uh, We're getting ready to enter into this time of revival. And and those that you've invited, you say, well, pastor, I've invited them. They haven't come. But I want to tell you, one day they're going to stand before God, just like you and I will, and they're going to be without excuse. 
You keep praying for that soul. You keep praying that they come. You keep praying that they get right with God. You keep praying that they get saved. You keep praying that they show up to a church service. You keep praying that they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. You keep praying that they get baptized. You keep praying that they begin to serve God. Listen, God is able. Amen? Amen. The fullness of what he's capable of. When I began to think about God's plan to save man, and it was to present himself in the flesh, that all men might ha- see the eternal Godhead. How did they see him? They saw him in Christ. He's the fulfillment. He's the completion of God. When you look at what he did, he came down to mankind to do what? To fulfill the law, but to save our soul from an eternal hell. He completely fulfilled the law. And when I look at this passage, he says, and of his fullness have we received, and grace for grace... Just one wave after another, after another, after another. He keeps providing for us. Amen? Amen. Kelly, you get on planes all the time. (laughs) We think that's the safest place in the world to be sometimes. And we never know what God can let happen in a day's time. But we have to trust God even when we're traveling, do we not? We have to trust him when we get behind the wheel of the car. (laughs) How many of you pray when you get behind the wheel of your car? Do you just... Fire that bad boy up, throw it and drive and take off. <laughs> or in reverse. And we just never know what that day might hold, do we? I have a story, and I've shared it a number of times. A lady named Sharon Zwicker that was in our church in Colonial Beach. We were having a family week at the church. And Sharon, that afternoon, uh, I was out, and we had a big tent set up on the property. And we had this big... Uh, uh, picnic and all this stuff was going on. Dr. Creed had come and he was preaching for us. And uh, man, we had a great service that morning. And, and uh, I was one of the last to leave and Sharon was one of the last to leave. And she came out of the building and I remember her waving at me. She said, I'll see you tonight, Pastor. I said, I'll see you tonight, Sharon. And that afternoon she got T-boned and got killed. I remember having coming into that church and having to tell the church... <laughs> One of our saints has gone on to be with the Lord. I had all the confidence in the world that I would see whom that night. (laughs) That I would see her that night. The fullness of his grace. Amen. James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. How many of you believe that today? (laughs) Amen. Comes from God. Anything that he provides... And cometh down from the Father of lights with, his, with, with whom is no variables, and neither shadow of turning. And, and you think about every good gift that you have in your life, and you say, well, there are some gifts that I'm not too happy with. Every gift comes from heaven, amen? God provides. And he does it, why? Because of the fullness of his grace that we've all received. We all have it. The words when he says, all we, he's referring uh, to Christians. He's referring to John even in this passage. But what he's referring to is the fullness of his grace. I want you to know it has come down to mankind. The unsaved have access to God's grace, but they have to make a choice, don't they? They have to choose to accept his grace. They have to choose to accept what he's providing. And so it's there. And you think about this for just a moment. And I, I wrote this down. I wrote a note down. If God dealt with us only according to truth, none of us would survive. Uh-oh. <laughs> but I, I began to think, but he deals with us on the basis of grace and truth. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Amen. If he just dealt with us based on truth, we wouldn't survive. But the fact that he deals with us through grace and truth, praise God. Amen? Because how many of us sinned this week? 
and could go to God and say, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. How many of you know in your heart of hearts that you've done something against God this week and God is a forgiving God, amen? Now there is a sin unto death. I don't say that we pray for it, but there is a sin unto death and you think, well, I can continue to do this and just keep asking God to forgive me over and over and over. But I want to tell you, sometimes there is a sin unto death. I'll give you a great example of that. I had a friend named John and him and his brother, they grew up in a pastor's home. And John's brother... Uh, just uh, made a profession of faith when he was little, but he started to walk away from God, and he thought he was getting away with everything. And John pleaded with his brother, and he said to him, he said, listen, you need to get your heart right with God. And he said, I'm already saved. Nothing else matters. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And he began to drink. And he began to do things wrong. And John's brother one night they get a phone call about 3 o'clock in the morning and his truck's rolled over in a ditch and he's dead. Maybe that is the grace of God. Taking him home before he destroy God's testimony any further. The grace of God is powerful. It's based upon truth though, is it not? And when we begin to look at the Word of God, Jesus Christ, His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, He met all the demands of the law, folks. He met it all. When you, when you look at the, quote, Ten Commandments, He fulfilled them, amen? When you look at all the commandments in the Bible, He fulfilled them. When you look at the fact that He was yet without sin, He fulfilled all the law, and He did it without sinning. I can hardly grasp the fulfillment of what He did for me on the cross at Calvary. How many days do you go without sinning? My son Connor, years ago, at a New Year's Eve service, he got an opportunity to preach, and, and he came up and ended up without a dry eye in the house because he said, I wake up every day asking God to help me not sin today. And he said, I haven't made it yet. And began to weep in the audience because the people realized what he was saying, that all of us ought to be at that place where we want to pray that we sin not. Amen? And the reality is, is the fullness of his grace is what does that for us. We, we sin against our God, and then he says, listen, come to me, confess it, and, and get it right. I'll cleanse you, and, and I'll make you clean again. Isn't that amazing? That he's willing to do that for you and for me. The fullness of his grace. Grace for grace. Waves as the ocean shore. He keeps bringing them in. The Christian life is a constant reception of the evidence of God. Would you agree with that? We're constantly receiving things from God. I mean, your ability to work, who gave that to you? Your ability to earn income, who gave that to you? The ability to walk, to talk, to speak, to think the way that you do, who gave that to you? Who gives you all that you have? <laughs> It's our God. Amen. I began to consider just the reception and the evidence of God's grace, you know, replacing over and over again all the things for me, all the stuff that he does for me, and how he's reconciled me unto my God. He did that for us. He, he made it right between me and God. I couldn't do that. He did that for me. And then he says, not only am I going to do that for you, I'm going to keep on giving you grace now. I'm going to keep on giving you and giving you and giving you. Listen, when you get to that place where you're down on your knees and you begin to realize who you are and who God is and the grace he provides, it will bring you to naught. 
You'll realize who he really is. You had to realize what he's capable of. Take a look around that all that is made, the Lord has revealed himself to us through his word. His word is Jesus Christ. God shows his favor and reveals his word to the saved through Christ. When you look at verse 17, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And I really began to think about that act of kindness that he showed to us. And it's divine in its influence, amen? The day I got saved, that divine influence upon the heart and then the reflection of that in our lives is what it should be. But I began to think about his grace and how he provided it for us. And you look at this passage, he said, hey, listen, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You see, the reason we have grace and truth is because he fulfilled the law that God had given unto Moses to show the people that God was real. And today, all mankind has revelation of God through his word now. We all have it. It's before us. He demonstrated it through creation, but he's given it to us in his written word now. And you think about no other nation ever had the privilege that Israel had. Can you imagine that? The privilege that Israel was given and and how God gave his word to his people. And now his revelation, God's grace given by Jesus Christ, he gave it to the local church. What we do here is not a game. It's not an activity. It's not just a fun time. It ought to be a time of conviction and concentration and thought upon our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We ought to be at the place where we're saying, what is God trying to do in my life? And have you seen God lately? Have you seen him work in your life? Have you seen him work in someone else's life? Have you seen God really working and demonstrating his grace and his truth? So begin to think about this. We have the revelation of God's grace and truth through Jesus Christ in the local New Testament church. And through the scriptures, the Lord revealed in the word, which is Christ Jesus. And, you know, God's grace is not something new. By the way, he, he did show them in the Old Testament. Do you know that? He did show his grace in the Old Testament. And in, in fact, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God began to demonstrate his grace a long time ago. It really manifested itself when Jesus arrived on this earth. But God began to demonstrate his grace back then. Because man was evil continually in his heart. And God had to do something about it. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because he chose to do that which was right according to God's word. According to what God was telling him and teaching him. And he was trying to tell mankind. And listen, that is what a pastor does from a pulpit today. That's what a saved Christian does to a lost man. We're out to proclaim Jesus Christ the crucified and risen again. Amen? Amen. He's coming back. Are you prepared? Have you seen God lately? Have you seen him work in your life or in the lives of others? Have you really seen God at work? In Exodus 34, 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Amen? That's who he is. He is abundant in goodness and in truth. And God demonstrates himself to you each and every day that you walk and breathe. And he's going to do it in eternity too as well. Amen? Amen. That's why you want to know him as your Savior. That's why you want to know who Jesus Christ is. Jeremiah 31.2, he says, Thus saith the Lord, the people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness. God demonstrated his grace even in the Old Testament. But I want to tell you something. That was a candle compared to the light that he brought down to mankind. That was just simply a candle in the darkness. And here it is. Now we have the brightness. We have the fullness of Jesus Christ now. 
And when I look to the scriptures, we see what he's capable of. And he says in Titus 2.11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Man is without excuse, folks. Why are we doing this revival? Because we need to reach the lost with the gospel. Why are we doing this revival? Because we need to be revived. We need to be quickened of God. We need to become alive again. And God's word needs to become alive to you again. It's not a dead book. It's a living word of God. And it needs to become alive to us again. I began to think about grace and its unmerited favor that God provides to us. You know, grace gave us salvation. Grace gave us justification. Grace is what gives us faith. Grace is what the election is all about. I look at grace and it's God giving his spiritual gifts to mankind. God's grace is amazing. And he says that it came by Jesus Christ. And he gave us grace and truth. You think about salvation. Sin nature forgiven. Not just my sins, my sin nature. What I am by existence, God forgave me for that. And God now saved my eternal soul. And he gives me salvation. You look to Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. God has given us something wonderful, folks. Something marvelous. It's his grace, Jesus Christ, salvation of souls, salvation of mankind, the forgiveness of sins, justification. Aren't you glad you're innocent? Amen. Not on my own accord. Amen? Amen. But I'm glad I'm innocent now. Because I know what I deserve. And what I deserve is death and hell. But what he did is he proclaimed me innocent the day he saved me. He justified me. Amen? And I began to look into the scriptures and I thought about this justification being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It came through him. There is nothing in me that saved me or will ever save me. And anybody that is in a religion that believes that they're saved by their own works is going to die and go to hell because it is Jesus Christ that saves the soul. Amen? It is not my works. There is nothing I can do. And the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works. There is nothing I can do. It is Jesus Christ and Him alone, and it is His redemption and His shed blood on the cross that has provided me with eternal security. <laughs> it's what He did for me. Election that selected the saved uh, to receive His grace, you know, I like election, and a lot of people misunderstand what it means. But when he elected me, he elected me to receive his grace. Amen? Amen. He elected me to receive something that the unsaved cannot receive unless they trust Christ. And I, I began to think about election, and he says in Romans 11, 5, and 6, Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. Amen? And he goes on, he says, but if it be of works, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. He said, you cannot work your way into heaven. Not going to happen. Oh, but there is a way to get there. And it's by grace and truth brought by Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And all I have to do is trust, receive, believe what he did. <laughs> Tell me that's not a wonderful Savior. Amen. It's not what I'm doing, it's what he's done. <laughs> It's what he's already completed, and it's my faith and trust in him. I began to think about faith, that conviction and reliance on God's truth. That's that grace. That's that grace that we're saved through faith, not of ourselves. 
And the idea is, is that when he gives that conviction and that relies on his truth, it's amazing. October 12, 1995, and I'm not saying everybody has to remember this way, but I remember being saved, amen? I remember the day, date, and time. Now, I was in a counseling session with my pastor, so it was really evident to me, but, but that night I remember getting saved. <laughs> and I remember when I walked out of that place, things were different. <laughs> in my heart, I knew heaven was now my home. Before that, I did not know. I lied, I faked it, I said words, I told people things, and I made them believe that I was okay and that I didn't need what they were offering because I already had it, and it was nothing but a bunch of lies, and the devil wanted me to continue on that path because he did not want me to really trust Christ as my Savior. And I want to tell you something. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Amen? Get to the place where if you're not saved, you get saved. But if you're pretending to be saved... Trust Christ as your Savior, and you'll see it's a big difference. Amen? We don't have to fake it. We can know it. <laughs> and it's grace and truth which came by Jesus Christ. I thought about the gifts, God providing you with a talent to serve him. Romans 12, 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Anybody that's saved, God's provided you with a gift. You say, well, yeah, I got the gift of salvation. Well, amen. He's provided you a talent also. And the talent that he's provided to you, he wants you to utilize it for his glory. He wants you to take whatever that is and use it for his glory. By grace, he's given that unto you. So whatever that talent may be, he wants you to use it in his local church. He wants you to use it as a tool to try to reach out to others and try to win the loss to Christ. You know, this free, unmerited favor of God, it manifests itself. It revealed itself in the salvation of sinners and the giving of the gift of eternal life, Jesus Christ, giving us that eternal life. Now, I thought about this, how truth is now available to all of us. Isn't it amazing? I was just reading the other day. There's some folks over there in uh, the South Africa area, and they don't have this. They're in some tribes, and, and, uh, and, and what they're doing is some folks are handwriting it, and giving them certain books and, and, and passing this on. How many Bibles you got at your house? Now you want to know the importance of seed line? Do you want to know why we do what we do? Do you want to know why you should get involved in that? There's countries all over the world that don't have what we have, folks. That's why we do seed line here. Why? It's the giving of God's word to others, isn't it? And maybe not the whole Bible, but at least they get John and Romans, amen? And the thing of it is, is that how many of these do you have? I mean, on my phone alone, I have hundreds of Bibles. <laughs> I have access to so much stuff. And to really even have a thought that they don't have this, that's, that's just not fathomable for us, is it? We can't even comprehend that. Because we go to our house and there's probably five, six, seven, ten of these laying around somewhere. And the reality is, is that God's word came down to man. God has given us a great commission, has he not? That's why we support missions. That's why we do the things that we do. When I began to really look into this grace and truth, truth is now available through Jesus Christ. You know, the unsaved can't understand that. Listen to me. The unsaved cannot understand that. People that have never trusted Christ cannot understand that. And so what is our role and responsibility? That by the miracle and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, he manifests himself unto a lost soul 
in the midst of you picking up God's word. <laughs> it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Anybody can get saved by the word of God. Amen. Grace and truth. Amen? Amen. Grace and truth. See, it's come down to us now, hasn't it? We have it in our hands. We've handled the word of life. Think about that for just a moment, folks. We are doing what when we're picking this up? We're handling what? The word of life. The word of God is Christ Jesus. You think you know the scriptures? They testify of him. Amen? He told them that. And listen, if the world, you're there in John. Go to last chapter in John. Go to chapter 21. Look at the last verse of John chapter 21. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself, could not contain the books that should be written. Amen? What does the Bible teach us? It's a pretty powerful book, isn't it? Because you think about it, if we were to write everything we could possibly think about Jesus Christ, there's not enough books in the world to contain everything about him. But God condensed his truth down to us, giving us exactly what we need. Giving us every word that we can rest upon this truth. And you think about the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, folks, if you're not saved, none of this makes sense to you. You're, you're sitting out there and you say, what is that babbler saying up there? What's he talking about? I hear him, wah, 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 blah, 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 and nothing's happening in your heart. I hear nothing. What's that babbler talking about? I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8 with me. Romans chapter 8. Let me tell you what this babbler's talking about this morning. I want you to look at Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 6. Everybody with me? Three of you. Everybody else with me now? Amen. Amen. I want you to look at uh, Romans uh, chapter 8. Look at verse 6. Everybody there? For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's the enemy of God. It's evil against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot do something. They can't please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of uh, God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, uh, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth where? In you. I want you to know something. Listen to me. Look at me. If you are saved, if you are saved, God is in you. Amen? He's in you. He's not 
floating around this auditorium. The Holy Ghost is not floating over top of your heads. He's in your heart. Amen. And you know Him and He knows you. And you know Him because He dwells in you and He has shown you His grace and His truth. Amen. And when you pick up the Word of God, you know it's the Word of God because it affects you. You know that it's truth. And by His grace, He's revealed His truth because if it were only truth, it would kill us. But He gave us His grace and His truth. Amen? And it came by Jesus Christ. And when you begin to look into the Word of God, you have the Lord residing in you. Therefore, you have the ability to see what He's doing. Have you seen God lately? <laughs> He's there. You know, He said, draw nigh unto God and God will do what? Draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Right? He told us that there's some things we need to do. And God teaches us the power of His Word. Now, Christ brought God down to man in the flesh, and we know Him today through the Scriptures in verse 18 of John chapter 1. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. You know, when I was little... I remember going to my grandma's house, and one of the things I used to like to do when I go to grandma's house, I was, I, I believe she spoiled me to death, but I used to like to sit on my grandma's lap. And I'd sit on my grandma's lap, and, and grandma would always have some piece of candy or something for me. But grandma used to do something when I used to sit on her lap sometimes, and I'd feel myself just kind of starting to doze off. And grandma used to run her fingers through my hair, and she'd just keep doing that, and all of a sudden, I'd be sitting there, and I knew she had something up her sleeve because, man, there was something she put in that candy because I was about to do this, you know. How many of you have a memory? <laughs> Just that precious little memory of someone in your life just being that special to you, <laughs> doing something that kind, that genuine for you, that generous. Whenever you look at this passage and he says, the only begotten which is in the bosom of the Father. He's talking about being in the lap by the side of the Father. Amen. I used to love being with my grandma. My grandma tells me she was saved, but that woman loved to play bingo. Good night. Did she like to play bingo? And every time I went with her, I went because I knew I was getting a great knee high and a Babe Ruth candy bar. Amen. And she said, you go help pass out some of them cards and I'll get you a great knee high. Buddy, I'd pass them all out because I wanted that great knee high. Amen. And that's when it came in a glass bottle. Amen. Not this plastic stuff. It's when you taste it and you could actually taste the soda. Hey, man, you didn't taste the plastic that went after it. <laughs> but I remember just being by my grandma's side, being on my grandma's lap, staying by her. Why? Because it was a very special bonding type relationship. I want you to look at this. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father. <laughs> he hath declared him. I want you to get a hold of this. I speak of my grandmother now, do I not? I memorialize her uh, in death. I tell you the great things that my grandma did for me. Jesus Christ came to declare the Father. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the what, folks? Now, we've not seen God in his essence, and we know that even Moses himself couldn't look upon God. We, we know all that. We haven't seen him in his essence, but we have seen him in the flesh. Amen. And we now have him in word. Amen. Amen. 
And when I began to look at this passage, no man has seen God, the only begotten, which is in the bosom of the Father, hath declared him, declares to make him known. He did it openly. He did it formally. He came down and he declared unto mankind, I am God. Did he not? He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And listen, he, he, he took the form of man that we might see God in him. Amen? He declared God to you and to me. He did it in the flesh. And he brought him down to us. Declares to make people recognize his authority, his right. And he did it with a confident behavior. Since God's a spirit, John 4, 24, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So no, God has, no, no man has seen God in his essence, but we've seen him in his being. <laughs> man saw God in Christ, amen? amen? And what you see is he declared him. <laughs> to declare is to say, here he is openly to you now. And he brought him down to mankind. And I began to think about the work of the invisible father. It's displayed in Jesus Christ. Jesus came down to man in a visible form, in the flesh. And men did see Christ in the Old Testament times. It's called a theophany. There's a big word for you. Uh, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. He would come down, but he was in spirit, not in the flesh. And he'd come down and he'd appear to mankind. And he did that in Genesis 32, 30, in Exodus 24, 9 and 10, Judges 13, 22, Isaiah 6, 1, and Daniel 7, 9, but not in the flesh. He came in the spirit. But when he came down and those disciples were walking with Jesus Christ, they were walking with God in the flesh. Amen. He declared him. John 14, 8 through 9, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast not thou known me? Philip he, uh, he says to Philip, he says, He that hath seen uh, me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? <laughs> I want you to know, when you open up the Bible, when you read the Word of God, it's alive. God's declared himself unto us. Amen? He sent Jesus Christ to save us. He declared himself to us. When I look at this passage, no man hath seen God at any time. We haven't seen him in his essence, but we certainly have now seen him in his flesh, and we have him in his word. Amen? We have him. And when you think about this, Jesus Christ being used of God and showing his mighty works, Jesus Christ reveals God. It tells us in Colossians 1, 5, uh, 5 uh, or 15, and he is the image of the invisible God, the express image of his person in Hebrews 1, 3. And that word declared is to explain and unfold. It, it's to show who God really is, and that's what he did. So here it is now. We've got this revival coming up. And I want to challenge you this morning. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? He said, well, it's just some meetings you planned, Pastor. You just threw some uh, dates on a schedule and some guy's coming to speak. If that all that it is to you, boy, have we missed it. But how many of you are going to have your heart prepared to come meet with God, to hear these messages, and to see God, and to see the God of heaven come down and pour out his blessings upon your heart? And to show you that he's real. And to show you that, that he exists. To show you that, that he walks with you if you'll walk with him. To show you that 
whatsoever you ask of him, he will provide. And it's not for me to have the lust of those things, but it's for me to have the will of God in my life. Are you willing to come prepared and then start asking others to come and join us? For what? That God may manifest himself at Calvary Chapel Baptist Church. That he might declare himself unto you. When's the last time you've come to church and you've seen God? And you've watched God work in your life and in the life of others? When's the last time you allowed God to do that? We simply cannot understand God apart from Christ. Listen, Jesus Christ gives life eternal. Amen? Look at verse 12 here. He says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I want to tell you something. When you have a revival and people come in and God's word begins to be preached, there are people who will receive the power of God to believe upon him. Salvation comes down to man. The second thought is this, and that is, as Jesus Christ reveals God's work to us, and you look at verse 14, and he says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came down to mankind. And in verse 18, we see his works. We see what he's capable of. He hath declared the Lord, and Jesus Christ gives grace and truth in verses 16 and 17. Revival gives us an opportunity to have Christ seen in us. Did you witness to somebody yet this week? Have you shared the gospel with them? Have you invited someone to attend? Are you planning on attending yourselves? Are you planning on being here? Here's what I want to challenge you with this morning. Let's let God demonstrate his fullness. And if you want to see God, I want to tell you, God is right there. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.